take your Bibles this morning and go to Daniel chapter 6 in our series through the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter 6. Thank you, Jeff, and all those singing and blessing us with the music this morning. You saw it on the screen, but let me just remind you, tonight we'll have our, our business meeting right after church, so if you're uh, interested in that, uh, it shouldn't be a long business meeting. We're going to present the budget for this year and uh, vote in some new members and uh, <clears throat> vote on a new elder to serve in the church. So those are the three things, if you'd like to be here and be part of that. Daniel chapter 6, we come this morning to perhaps one of the most beloved and well-known Sunday school stories in all the Bible, Daniel in the, in the lion's den. Uh, it is a story uh, of Daniel's faithfulness to his God in a very difficult situation that you'll see this morning. It is a story of God's faithfulness to his servant. As Daniel was faithful, God was faithful to bless him and preserve his life. And then thirdly, it is a story of how God was once again glorified in a, in a pagan kingdom among a people who didn't know him because there was a man who stood up for God and God was honored and his name was glorified in that, much as Daniel did under the reign of Nebuchadnezzar in the Babylonian Empire. Now the context of chapter 6 is pretty straightforward. If you were here last week or you've been a part of our studies, you'll know that last week in chapter 5 we saw the, the fall of the Babylonian Empire as recorded by Daniel 539 B.C., the Medo-Persian army surrounded uh, the city of Babylon, and you'll remember the story of uh, Belshazzar, the young, uh, the young co-regent king with his dad, and the, and the kingdom fell. They blocked off the river, entered the city. They were so confident the city would never fall, they didn't even post guards. They didn't have people on the walls, uh, so overconfident, and the city fell. And now we come to chapter 6, and... The new Persian Empire is, is establishing their government, if you will. They're setting things up, and that's the context that we find. So look at the first three verses as we simply read what Daniel records here about the beginning of the Persian kingdom. He said, It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps. That's a, a fancy word for governors or those who would administrate in those 120 regions. 120 satraps to be over the whole kingdom. And over these three governors, of whom Daniel was one, that the satraps might give account to them so that the king would suffer no loss. Now verse 3 is important. Look at verse 3. Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. So basically, here's what happened. The, the Persians took over. <clears throat> they took over a vast kingdom that had been a Babylonian empire, and so King Darius decided to organize his kingdom. And he set up 120 regions in the Persian Empire. And over each of those regions, he set a satrap or a governor. And so those local governors in the areas around all of Persia were responsible for administrating the government, collect the taxes, enforce the laws, uh, do the best for the king so the king has no harm, doesn't lose uh, money or lose his kingdom. It was their job to administer the kingdom as set out by the king. Now over those 120, he set three. He set three who would be uh, executive administrators, if you will, that answered directly to him. And Daniel was among those three. Now, we're not told, but if you do the math, that would mean each of the three had 40 regions or 40 satraps that answered to them. And so, pretty standard administration, if you will. They set the kingdom up uh, so that they could uh, manage it and, and control it. 
But importantly, in verse 3, more specific to Daniel, is it tells us in verse 3 that Daniel distinguished himself. In other words, he was distinguished above his colleagues, above the other two executive administrators, above all of those satraps. Daniel stood out, and the king took notice. In fact, the king took so much notice that he considered making him the second in the kingdom. Oh, now Daniel already did that once, right? I mean, he was already second in the kingdom under Nebuchadnezzar in the Babylonian kingdom, and now here he is in another kingdom, and he's about to, about to be promoted. And I thought, what, what was it about Daniel that set him apart? I mean, think about it for a minute. He, he distinguished himself. Now, I get, the, I get the feeling from reading Daniel and having studied it many times that Daniel wasn't an arrogant person. Daniel didn't toot his own horn, so to say. He didn't run around trying to be uh, number two in the kingdom. Uh, in fact, uh, when Belshazzar offered him all the money for reading the writing on the wall, he said, well, you know, you keep your money, you keep your gifts, I don't need it, but I'll tell you what it says. So Daniel was of a, of a humble demeanor, a servant's heart, if you will. So I thought, what, what distinguished him? And I, I thought there were two things that would have distinguished him that the king would have took notice of, and one would be the performance. Now, we're not told. But to be distinguished, it means you're noticeable above others, okay? In other words, you do something that's set apart. Now, it can be good or bad uh, to be noticed, but in this case, it was good. Daniel distinguished in his performance. I have to think that maybe his 40 satraps in his regions were better than the other uh, regions. In other words, his taxes were more. His organization was better. His his governors under him performed better under his leadership. And the king noticed, that would be the kind of thing a king would notice, don't you think? I mean, that would be the kind of thing that the king would pay attention to, that this manager, this executive governor, he really has his stuff all together, man. I mean, his, his regions are, are hitting on all cylinders, and all the taxes come in on time, and all the stuff's administrated right. And so his, his performance, the production, the efficiency, they noticed all this. Now, Again, it doesn't surprise me that Daniel would do better. Have you considered his resume? By this time, he's probably in his 70s, maybe 80. He's already been the prime minister of the Babylonian Empire. I would say it this way. He brought considerable corporate knowledge and experience with him, didn't he? And so when he was appointed to be the executive governor over, over a third of the kingdom, I would say he had a head start on the other guys. He, he was familiar with the area. He was familiar with the kingdom. And so he distinguished himself. But more important than just performance, I would say would be his personal character. You see, we're told here that Daniel had an excellent spirit in him. I, I would call that the Holy Spirit. Not just the Holy Spirit on him all the time, because you understand in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit didn't permanently indwell Old Testament saints. However, Daniel, as we read this book, was a man who walked with God. And I just believe that even in the Old Testament, when a man walked with God, the Holy Spirit led him and guided him and blessed his life. And so when the king dealt with Daniel, he noticed something different about his character. He recognized in Daniel a man of integrity and a man who could be depended on and a man who was truthful. You know, sometimes it's hard to deliver bad news, isn't it? It's hard to say, well, the taxes were lower this week, King. I, I don't know what to tell you. They were lower. It's hard, it's hard to, to give a non-positive report when you know it's your responsibility. But Daniel was faithful, and, and the king recognized in him a man who, who, uh, who did his job and could be depended on. Now, let me just say this very quickly. 
I believe as Christians today, to make application to our lives today, God expects of us, the Bible commands of us, to be both. To be, to be men and women of character, personally, in our walk with God. To be men and women of truthfulness, of transparency. And to be men and women who perform well at whatever we do. In other words, whatever skill or job God's given you, whatever position he's put us in, and God gives us skills, all, all of us different to do different things. Some are in are, are firemen and, and law enforcement and the military, and some are in corporate business and CEOs and doctors and physicians and you name it, whatever it is God gave you to do, I believe it's completely biblical that we do it with all our heart, that we do it with our commitment, we do it with, with all our effort. We, we put our Whatever skills God's given us, we put them all in the pot and we do as good as we can. And if we do that, if we, if we are men and women who perform uh, with integrity to the best of our ability and whatever it is we do, and then we have personal character, God will always bless that. And God will, will move us forward in whatever it is we do. Well, Daniel is that example. Now, the king took notice. How could you not notice a guy like that, Right? How could it be so obvious and the king not notice that Daniel's doing so well? So he began to consider the king did, King Darius. You know, this guy's, this guy's so good, I could just make him vice regent and make my life a lot easier. We'll just get another executive governor, put, put Daniel over all of them, and, and then maybe Daniel can organize the whole kingdom like he does his 40, right? And so he's thinking of promoting Daniel. Well, what, well, what happened? The thing went sideways, didn't it? You know the story. I mean, uh, first of all, the two, his two colleagues, the two guys who were his executive governors with him, they're probably Persian. We're not told, but it looks like they're Persian, right? Because they get together to go see the king. Well, what do you think they're thinking about Daniel's promotion? And he's a Hebrew. In fact, wait a minute, he's a captive that was here in the last kingdom. As a matter of fact, why isn't he dead? I mean, they're, they're, you know, why wasn't he executed when we took over the kingdom? You know, why is he still here? And why is he about to be vice regent of the kingdom, you know, again? And so they didn't like that. And so you can almost, you can almost see how this would work out, even as it does in, sometimes in, in a workplace today. There, there are these plans begin to get formed. We got to remove that guy. Okay, we, we got to get him fired. We got to get him out of the way. Because he's standing in the way. Maybe one of those guys is thinking, I want to be vice regent. I want his job. I want to be promoted. And so look at verses 4 and 5. So the governors and satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful, nor was there any error or fault found in him. Then these men said, we shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. So they had... They had two plans that unfolded here. First of all, they said, let's find um, some dirt on this guy. Let's find something that, that, looks, that looks nefarious, something that looks wrong, and let's take it to the king. Let's accuse him of, of, of misappropriating government money, or let's accuse him of not handling his business right, and let's get him fired. And so they honestly set forth... And, I, and it doesn't tell us how they did it, but I'm thinking they probably hired people to look into his private life, to look into his business life. I can imagine they had, they had auditors going through the books, looking to see if his books were right. You know, was he, was he accounting for everything in the, his part of the kingdom? 
And uh, what does it say here? They could find no charge against him. In other words, his, his life, he was a model citizen and he was a model employee. There was, there was no place to even bring an accusation against him. He was, listen, here's the biblical term, he was above reproach. What does God call us to be? Is that not what he calls us to be? Above, listen, let me put your heart at ease. Above reproach doesn't mean perfect, right? Above reproach doesn't mean sinless. You know what above reproach means? It means no handles on your life, no thing in your life that somebody can grab a hold of and bring disrespect on the name of God. That's what it means. Daniel had, had, had no handle sticking out on his life. There was nothing that looked funny. There was no, he was above reproach. Listen, our lives, our lives for the glory of Jesus Christ have to be above reproach. Not perfect. We all mess up. We all sin. We all, we all come short. First uh, John 1, 8, 9, that's why it's in the book, right? I mean, thank God it's in the book. But the point is we have to be conscious. Listen to me very carefully. We have to be conscious every day of what we do, where we go, what we say. And see, and today in the 21st century, and I don't have time to get into this, all I hear all the time is Christian liberty. Let me tell you where Christian liberty ends, when you hurt the glory of Jesus Christ and when you cause hurt to the kingdom or you hurt somebody else, okay? Christian liberty is wonderful. I'm all about grace. And we're not, what if somebody had it out for you and they hired a bunch of people to start digging around in your life to see if they because we never know. We never know when those indiscretions and those things that we ignore are going to come back and bite us. And it ain't just about us. It's about cause of Christ above reproach. Daniel was above reproach. Or, listen, you say, what's the standard, pastor? Well, here it is, and I've shared this with many. If anything you or I do or say impairs or inhibits our ability to minister and do what Jesus Christ called, that's it. He said, how do I measure where I hang out and who I hang out with and where I go to eat and, and the things I drink and the things that I do? How do I measure that? Well, can you do it and honor Jesus Christ? Can you sit there and do it and share the gospel with somebody while you're doing it? Can you minister to somebody while you're doing it? That's what you have to ask yourself. And so Daniel, they could find no, no dirt. And so after they couldn't find any reason to get him fired, then they backed up and regrouped. And they said, well, you know, this guy is so squeaky clean, man. He's, he's like on the mark on everything. So they observed his life and they said, you know, he's pretty dedicated about his worship. He obeys the laws of the Hebrews. And so the only place we're going to be able to trip him up or to cause him to stumble is with regard to his faith. Now, that in itself is a testimony, is it not? That in itself is a testimony that they knew Daniel was such a man of integrity toward his God that he would never compromise his faith. Well, don't you, don't you want to believe that people think that about us? That no matter what he or she does, they'll never compromise their faith. Daniel had the whole pack, his whole testimony. In fact, I've said this before, and I'll remind you again, as best I know, and if you find different, come show it to me so, we'll, so I'll be right. As best I know, Daniel's the only man in all the Bible, front to back, that nothing bad's ever said about. In other words, you know God's brutally honest about the people in the Bible, right? Just look at King David, a man after God's own heart, and God gives us all the dirt about David too. But do you know about Daniel? Not one negative thing is ever said in the whole Bible. Nothing. So they said, well, we know he's not going to compromise his faith. Well, I bet not. So look at their plan. Look at verses 6 and 9. So these governors and satraps throng before the king 
boy, almost tripped over themselves getting in there, right? And said to him, King Darius, live forever. Now all the governors of the kingdom, that's a lie. Just stop right there. All the governors of the kingdom, we came up with this law we want you to sign. Uh-uh. Daniel's not in there. They didn't ask Daniel. And I suspect they didn't ask the guys that worked for him either. Because I, I can't imagine any of them would have agreed to it. But listen to what they said in verse 7. All the governors of the kingdom, the administrators, the satraps, the counselors, and the advisors, have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whoever petitions any god or man for 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which does not alter. Therefore, King Darius signed the written decree. Now, I don't care how many times I've studied that. You've got to think to yourself, what in the world is he thinking? I mean, you know, and, and here's the only answer I come up with as I study this. It's a new kingdom, and it was a practice in that day to unify church and state, if you will. They would, they would connect the government to a state religion, and a person's allegiance to the government was often connected to their religious allegiance. See Nebuchadnezzar back in chapter 2 with the statue, right? Everybody come worship this thing. That's exactly what he was doing. Look, I don't like God's idea that my kingdom's going to end, so we'll make the whole thing gold. And everybody, if you worship this statue, then that means you're in, you support me, you support the government, we're all good. Okay? I think that's the way they approach this. Hey, king, we all got together, the counselors, the satraps, the governors, and you know, to make in alignment to you and that you're the king and everybody's going to be a good citizen, we're just going to, we just want to make this law for 30 days so that everybody cooperates and acquiesces. And then if they just pray through you or come to you and pray to you for 30 days, recognize you as the king, then 30 days is all we need. Everybody's in. And I have to think that's how they approached them with it. And I also have to think maybe a little pride because the king's going, well, yeah, I like the whole idea of people praying to me. That's pretty good. You know, and, 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 you know, and they want anything. They got to ask the king after all. And so however this council went in this conversation, uh, the king signed the thing. Now, let me say a word as I was studying this very quickly about church and state. In our country, I get, I'll just say it, I get sick and tired of hearing the First Amendment says they're separated church and state. You know a civics lesson real quick? Listen, that's not what it says. That's not what it says. In fact, I wrote it down so I can read it to you, just so you can hear what it says, okay? Here's the first part of the First Amendment concerning religion. Listen to this. Congress shall make no law respecting the establishment of religion. Well, okay, I get that. You hung around church in England, you'd want that too, okay? Or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. Now, I'm going to tell you, that does not say that the government can't have religion in it. More particularly, it doesn't say they can't recognize God. What it says is the government can't create a religion and tell us all we have to be that religion. That's what it says. That's enough of that before I use that the rest of my time. But you understand what King Darius did was what our First Amendment says you can't do. He said, you got to pray to me and I'm going to be the government religion and it's going to prove your allegiance to me. 
our, our Constitution and the First Amendment simply says <clears throat> that our government can't do what England did, which drove a bunch of people over here. They said, we're, the Church of England is going to be the, the religion for the nation. And oh, by the way, it's connected to the government, and you all got to be part of the Church of England. Of course, saved people went, thank you very much, but I can't, and persecution, and they ended up coming over here. So my point is, we can pray in school. And we can pray in Congress, and we can absolutely recognize God, and we're not breaking the Constitution. So next time somebody says that to you, enlighten them, okay? Just set them straight. King Darius says, we're going to do this for 30 days. Now, what does Daniel do? Do you think Daniel knew this thing was signed? Yeah, he's like right under the king. He's the executive governor. He knows what's going on. Now, what I find interesting in this is Daniel didn't go in and... and Defend himself. He, he, he didn't go in there. Now, I, I got to tell you, if it had me and I'd have found out about it, me and them guys have been having words, right? Maybe not bad words, maybe bad words, I don't know. But we'd have had a conversation like, what do you think you're doing? That's the most ridiculous thing I ever heard. I think Daniel had influence with the king. He could have went in and said, that's, that's really not a good idea, king. I mean, I, you know, let me tell you why it's not a good idea. But he didn't do anything which I just find interesting. So look at verse 10. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home. And in his upper room with his windows open towards Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God. Now look at the last part of that sentence. As was his custom since when? Since early days. You want to know why Daniel had an excellent spirit? There it is right there. God was praying three times. going up to his room, opening his window, kneeling toward Jerusalem, and thanking God for his blessings. Which is a whole nother sermon. He's in captivity. Would you have a thankful heart in captivity? Would you have a thankful heart in your cities? He's thanking God. So he goes and he prays. When he knows about the signing of this thing, he goes and prays anyway. Um, let me point out just a couple of things real quick about his response. Number one, his habit. He prayed as usual. Probably among many things in Christian life today that are challenged and our society is challenged. We're so busy and, we're, and we got so much going on, you know. We go, oh, man, I just don't have time to sit down and just pray. Well, we do, we just don't. Do you think Daniel was busy? Man, he's managing a third of the kingdom. I would suspect he's busy. What do you think? But he had time, three times a day, to go pray. Daniel's life was blessed because of his prayer life, because of his walk with God. I would, I would even go this far, biblically, we can never really walk with God unless we talk to him a lot, unless we pray. We have to have prayer time. Mine's in the morning. My, I get up, I, I go pray. Mine's in the morning. I need to start my day with prayer. Because on the days that I don't start my day with prayer, it gets sideways in a hurry. I mean, it gets off track. It gets all messed up. And I like to pray during the day. Do you like to pray during the day? I like to pray when I'm driving. I pray a lot when I'm driving. <laughs> Especially when people make me mad. I just pray a lot. God. Don't know where he got his license. Where did he, where did he learn to drive? 
But yet, do you pray? You pray when you meet people that aggravate you. I have to pray. You know, fast food restaurant, I have to pray. But you have to pray, don't you? And sometimes we're not successful, but if we pray, we are successful. Daniel, listen, the habit of his days, as was his custom since early. Well, how early? Well, we don't know exactly. Daniel was probably mid to late 18, 20 when he was captured. He's probably around 80 years old here, so 60 years? 65 years? 65 years of, of praying three times a day? Well, that's pretty good, isn't it? As he did from early. Can I say this very quickly? We need to establish habits in our Christian lives that are good for us spiritually. Spiritual habits. Spiritual habits like reading the Bible. Spiritual habits like praying. Spiritual habits like coming to church. Spiritual habits like being in Bible groups. Spiritual habits. Habits are easy. Just do it for about three or four weeks and it's a habit, okay? Just do it. Daniel, as he did from old, for a long time, 65 years maybe, he's been proud. Made him different and the king saw it. Secondly, Daniel not only prayed habitually, he prayed confidently. Confidently. Listen, you know how to pray confidently? Don't have any sin that's bugging you. Don't have anything between you and God, and you can pray confidently. You know how else to pray confidently? Do it regularly. If I talk to God on a regular basis, I'm real comfortable talking to him. And I do it with confidence. Confessing sin and talking to him regularly. Daniel prayed with confidence. I have to imagine, it doesn't say here, but I'm pretty sure he did. I think when Daniel went up to his house to pray after that thing was signed, what do you think he was talking to God about? I think this. God, they just signed this thing that said, I can't pray to you. Well, I'm going to pray to you, and they're probably going to try to kill me. So God, you just take care of it. I got to think his prayer went something like that. Do you think Daniel was confident that God could handle it? Yeah, he'd been around a little while, right? Like 65 years of God taking care of him. He's pretty confident. So God, I don't know what they're going to do, but, uh, but, you know, I need you to handle it. I mean, something else I wrote down here, and again, I, I'm going to hurry and finish. The laws of man sometimes are foolishness. I mean, just really. I mean, have you, have you listened to some of the laws that get submitted to be passed in this country? I mean, if you just listen to them when they come up as bills and they come up as laws, and some of them in the state level, and you honestly think to yourself, man, that's right out of hell. Satan just like, you know, a demon or something whispered in that person's ear or moved their heart, and they, who in their right ever-loving mind would even propose some of these laws? And I'm not going to get into them specifically, but the point is they get passed, and they're sinful, and they're, and they're contradictory to the law of God. Remember this, beloved, and I remind myself of this. There's one person in this universe who's going to have the last word. I don't care what law you pass. I don't care if it's Congress. I don't care what the Supreme Court says. I respect them. They're the government. I love this country. It's the government I live under. But let me tell you something. If somebody writes a law that's contradictory to the word of God, they messed up. Because God's law is the one that matters. And God's law is the one that's forever. Because what does the Bible say about this word? It'll never go away. It's never going to perish. So the laws of man are going to perish, but not that law. 
King Darius should have thought about that before he started signing something silly like people have to pray to him. Now, so what happens? Very quickly. The rest of the story in about three minutes. Verses 11 to 17, look at it. Just as they couldn't wait to get in there and get him to sign his bill, they come watch Daniel praying. And they know where to look. Why? Because it was a habit of his life. Now, let me point out one other thing real quick. Did you notice that Daniel wasn't ostentatious about his prayer? And that's a big word that means he wasn't purposely being flamboyant about his faith. He just did what he normally did. He didn't, listen, he didn't know the bill was signed and then go down into city square and get down on his knees and start praying in front of everybody. He did what he normally did. He didn't, listen, as a Christian, sometimes let's just be who we are. We don't have to try to, we don't have to try to attack the world with our faith, okay? Just be who we are for God and be a witness and do what we normally do. Now look what happened, verse 11. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before God. Man, they didn't assemble. They were waiting on him, all right? They knew where he was going to pray, and so they just waited until he got there. And they went before the king and spoke concerning the king's decree. Have you not signed a decree that every man who petitions any god or man within 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, well, the thing is true according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which uh, does not alter. So they answered and said before the king, verse 13, that Daniel, who is one of the captives from Judah, does not show due regard to you, O king, or for the decree which you have signed, but makes petition three times a day. Now notice verse 14, then the king, when he heard these words, was greatly displeased with himself. You know what just happened right there? The little, the little light bulb came on over his head and he goes, ooh, I've been tricked. They, he just got it, okay? He just understood and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him, and he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. Then these men approached the king and said, O king, uh, know, O king, that the law of the Medes and the Persians, that no decree or statute which the king establishes may be changed. So the king gave the command, and they brought Daniel and cast him in the den of lions. But the king spoke, saying to Daniel, Your God, whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. Now, I don't think he said that confidently. I, th I think it was half he wanted to make Daniel feel good, Okay, sorry, Daniel, I'm throwing in your lines then. But you know, you trust your God, so you might be okay, all right? I mean, you, you might be pretty good. He was hoping Daniel would be okay because he likes Daniel, right? So now look at verse 16. So the king gave the command, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lines. But the king spoke, saying to Daniel, your God whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. Verse 17, then a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and the signet of the Lord's that the purpose concerning Daniel might not be Change. Now, let me tell you the rest of the story. You know the story. You can go home and read it. <clears throat> Daniel spends the night in the lion's den. The king, he don't sleep all night. He, he, they don't bring the music. He's, he's fasting. He don't want to eat supper. He feels, the king likes Daniel so much that he feels terrible that he was tricked into this thing. And he, he don't sleep all night. So he gets up early the next morning, the king does. Well, he doesn't get up because he didn't sleep. So early the next morning, he goes to the den where Daniel was at. And really lamenting, he doesn't, he doesn't really, I don't think he expects Daniel to answer him, but he's standing outside the thing and he says, oh, Daniel, servant of the living God, uh, you know, did your God spare you? Look down to verse 20. And when he came to the den, he cried out with a lamenting voice to Daniel. The king spoke saying, Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to deliver you from the lines? And then look at verse 21, and Daniel said, O king, live forever. 
The guy must have about freaked out, you know. Daniel answers him from inside the den. And look at Daniel's testimony in verse 22. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths so that they have not hurt me because I was found innocent for him. And also, O king, I have done no wrong before you. Well, that's powerful. He said, yeah, I'm all right, king. My God sent an angel and them lions been sleeping all night. And they didn't touch me. In fact, I heard preachers say sometimes Daniel slept better than the king. He went over and put his head on one of them lines, all soft and cushy, and went to sleep. I don't think he did that. I mean, if I was in there and God closed the lion's mouth, I wouldn't push the thing, right? I'd say, okay, they stay over there. I'll stay over here until tomorrow, and we'll be good. And I'd say to Angel, you just stand between us, okay? You stand right there, and I'll stay over here, and they stay over there. Daniel was perfectly fine. God protected them. God sealed the lion's mouth now. You know the rest of the story. The king is joyous. He says, let Daniel out, and they let Daniel out. Uh, oh, but then, then guess what happened? Yeah, all them fellows that tricked the king, your sin comes back to get you, don't it? He had all of them rounded up. We're not told how many there was, but I'm suspecting we need some new satraps and some new governors, right? Because he rounded up the ones who were spearheading this thing, and threw them in there. But they're not the only ones got thrown in there. This is the sad part. Threw their wives in there and their children. Now, heretics and those who attacked the Bible go, oh, you know, the lions wasn't hungry. They didn't eat Daniel. Mm -mm. When they threw all them guys in there with their wives and their children, it says the, the lions broke all their bones before they hit the bottom. I mean, the lions were jumping up and grabbing them when they went in the pit and were chomping on them before they hit the bottom of the pit. And killed them all. So what do we learn from that, Pastor? Well, number one, it's a fantastic miracle of God. But let me tell you the best part of it. If you look at the testimony, and we don't have time, we're, we're already over. If you look at the testimony of Darius about Daniel, he says some of the same things Nebuchadnezzar said. He said, Daniel, your God's the most high God. Man, I think that is incredible for a pagan king to say. Because what he's saying is saying, of all the gods that I believe in, Man, yours is at the top. I mean, he, no, no, I've never seen any other gods do anything like this. Now, your God is at the top. Then he says, and your God's kingdom will be forever. And he put out a decree. Anybody who says anything about Daniel's God should extol him, not talk bad about him. And here's, here was my thoughts as I finished studying this week. I wonder how many people in the Persian kingdom got saved because of this event. Don't you wonder that? Don't you wonder how many people, Darius and his workers and all the other satraps and the governors, and you have to believe that all the guys that work for Daniel, he witnessed to them all the time. Well, let me tell you about Jehovah God, where I come from, you know. I mean, how many of those people got saved because God manifested his power and God had a faithful man who would not compromise his faith? You see, sometimes, sometimes we go through the difficulty and God blesses us and gives us a testimony, and people are blessed by that. And we can share it with them. And Daniel certainly had a testimony, didn't he? Well, let me ask you this morning as we close. How about your own life? Man, I've examined mine this week. I've thought and prayed. You know, here was a man in the worst of circumstances. Circumstances we can't imagine. Man, he never bent. Never wavered. Never changed his faith. Can we say the same, no matter what, what comes in life? I pray that we can. 
Do we have that kind of testimony, that kind of integrity, that kind of witness? I pray that we do. If you're here or watching online this morning, Christ, or maybe you are saved, you say, boy, I I wish my life was like that. Well, it can be. Have some habits, prayer life, Bible time, confess sin, commit to obey God's word and the power of the Holy Spirit. Walk the same path, same God. I pray that for you today. If you need to pray to receive Christ, would you do it today? Would you confess your sin, ask him to save you? If you're a Christian, you say, boy, I need to get some sin out of my life. Do it now. Do it today. You don't have to tell me. I'm, just pray. Confess your sin. Get right with God today, okay? Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for this passage, this story, and the blessing of it. God, help us to have a heart like Daniel to pray, to be men and women of, of conviction, to be unwavering, unflappable in the face of this world's challenges. God, just help us to walk close to you by prayer and confession of sin and knowledge of your word. Bless today if one needs to be saved. God, save them. Draw them close, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we stand and sing. If I can pray with you or help you, you step out and come. I'll be glad to help you. Open creation series tonight and we're going to talk about the fall when eve was deceived and adam sinned so be a good study tonight i pray you'll come back at six i want at five let's pray thank you father for this morning give us safety lord as we travel today home and back and forth and god i pray for the lost god today their heart would come under conviction lord you would save those who come under the hearing of your word in jesus name 